Hello Cage Fighters, just wanted to give you a quick warning before this episode starts. We've decided to change things around last minute and give you a Brucey bonus episode. Thanks to the release of that tiny film that nobody's talking about, Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, we decided to discuss this film this week and we'll be dropping Feliz Navidad later in the week, just in time for your Christmas celebrations. Just to warn you, we do go a little bit spoilery. That's around the 30 minute mark. So if you don't want any spoilers, make sure you hit pause, go and watch the film, come back, finish off the pod. Hope you enjoy. Have a great week. Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man, Andy Gillard here. Hope you're all doing well in the world right now. Hi everybody, Matt Guy here. Hope everybody is keeping warm. With great pair becomes great responsibility. Hello. Yes, everyone, welcome to this Uncaged special. Uh, and because it's a dive into the new Spider-Man film, we've got Mr. David Evans with us. Dave, good afternoon. Actually, is it, yeah, it is afternoon now. Good afternoon. How are we today? Yes, good, thanks. Thanks for having me on again, guys. Always a pleasure. So we're here to discuss Spider-Man. Is it No Way Home? I can't even remember the names of the titles of these films anymore. There's just so many of them. So I will try and keep it spoiler-free for most of it, but if there's anything we want to discuss spoilery, save it for the end, do you reckon, gents? And that's probably the best way mm-hmm. to, to go about it. Me and Stu went to see this in the 3D, 4DX cinema where it throws you about the place. Matt, you were in a standard screening, weren't you? Dave, what what was your experience of this movie? Yeah, I was in a you know box standard cinema screen, no chairs going anywhere, but lots of applause. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I, I think that really brings us to the, one of the first things I wanted to discuss on this. There's been quite a lot going around on social media of people hooping and hollering and applauding and screaming at cinemas. Where do you stand on that? Matt, what are your thoughts? I hate it. I absolutely hate it, mate. And, like, I just... I I hate it because it's not because it's... Half of it is the excitement of actually what you're seeing on the screen. It's it's a vindication or a justification of you being a super fan is what I think it is a lot of. I think if you're not the one that's making the most noise, you're less of a Marvel nerd than anybody else that's in the screening, basically. That's how it feels, because we'll, we'll, we'll tweet out the, the link, I'm sure, but there's, there's, there's this you know, the clip from the French cinema that's going around at the moment where grown men are fucking jumping around, like, literally, they're on a hospital wing and Spider-Man has walked in to bloody St. George's Hospital or whatever it is. I don't know. It's it's just silly, mate. I'm, I'm, a bit, I'm in a bit of a grumpy mood this morning, so this might come across on the recording. However, I think <laughs> I think it's a bit over the top. We're, we're, we're not Americans. We have should have a bit of decorum about us, personally. Yeah, I'd sit very much on the same bench as you with this one. It's the performative nature of mm-hmm. it. Like you're not doing it for the cast and crew. They're not going to see it. So you're only doing it for the other people in the cinema screen. And, I mean, it's not a spoiler to say that Andrew Garfield appears in this film. We all know the, the basic, that the other Spider-Men are also here. But it's the, the performative nature of Andrew Garfield appears, so I need to cheer and shout and... It's fine to be excited and that sharp intake of breath. Like, I get that. What I don't get is screaming out, it's Garfield. Oh, he's coming. Like, you know that he's going to be in this film. It's not that big of a surprise. Mm. And you are right. It is a case of, I know about Marvel, so everyone look at me. And it just pisses me off. Yeah, and, and it's not an element of, because you know wrestling means a lot more to me than, than Marvel does. And I didn't go that mad when the bloody NWO came out to fight for <laughs> bloody Sting at WrestleMania. I didn't start throwing things in the air, hooping and wallowing and absolutely losing my shit for it 
um, I just think like it's a bit. It's just a bit. It's just very indicative of this sad world we're living at the moment. <laughs> it's like I said on Twitter earlier. You don't applaud for a good episode of EastEnders. You don't give a stand innovation when you finish a book. So why do you feel the need to do it in a cinema screen when? You know, you're not really that you're there almost in your own little bubble anyway. So I, I don't get it at all. Dave, uh, uh, me and Matt's wrong on this one. Uh, well, you're really properly going Grinch on this, I think. <laughs> I think, don't get me wrong, I think, <laughs> th- I think the video that Matt, you mentioned, I think I've seen that one this morning. I did watch that and did think that's a that's mazy over the top. I mean, I really wouldn't expect people to be dancing up and down and cheering <laughs> as if like England, England had won the Euros. Um, with with some of those videos, I mean, in my screening, when those elements happened, there were some kind of ways, but you know, it wasn't over the top. And what was really nice, it did sound like that half the people in my screening who did do the way, there were some surprise reactions, almost like there were people in that screening who had no idea this was about to happen, and that almost felt really nice to hear. You almost felt like I'd wish in some ways I'd gone into this knowing that wasn't going to happen because what would have my surprise reaction would have been. Um, I think the only time that I've ever noticed anything like that before is in Endgame when Captain America picks up Thor's hammer. There was a bit of a, a tiny cheer. And then also many years ago, I went to see the Les Mis, Les Mis film in London. And hmm. when the film finished, everybody applauded, which I was... Really thought that was really bizarre. Like, like you say, it's no one, none of the cast are here. It's not a live theatre performance. Who's going to know that this certain screening is just applauded for a film? So, I think in certain event films, when people have been looking forward to something, I think a certain mild cheer is is acceptable. Fair enough, Stu. Well, the video that I put on Twitter earlier was outrageous. <laughs> There's, I mean, that is completely over the top. There's no mm. need for any of that. It's That's just... It's, it's nonce behaviour, but a lot of them probably haven't even got, gone through puberty themselves yet. I mean, it's just... <laughs> it's just stupid. It's just ridiculous. I think we... Ours was kind of the right blend yesterday, where the moments that happened, there was noise, but it was like... Oh, and like yeah. gasps of breath, and it wasn't like... Whoa! Take your top off, swinging around your head, kind of thing. It was just, it was, it made sense. It actually made sense for what was happening on the screen. There was times where, yeah, I got choked, and I was like, oh, and but I didn't want to like, oh, I'm going to cry, be all theatrical about it. Because why would you? <laughs> but when you were saying about clapping at books, I have three times in my life clapped when a game is finished. <laughs> and that's in that, that's in my own house. Uncharted Two, Journey, and The Last of Us. Just because it was a, it was a masterpiece, all three of them. And I've probably I've, I have clapped in cinemas before, but it's not because oh yeah, I want to be seen to be showing that I love it. You all join in with me. It's it's like almost like a a natural reaction where yeah, that was so good. I can't help not clap. Doesn't really make any sense because who, like Dave said, who's going to hear it? But it's almost like okay, that feeling's there that I've seen something so amazing that I just want to let it out, and you can't let it out in other ways. You get arrested, obviously. But yeah, it's <laughs> just be just behave yourselves. <laughs> that would be completely unacceptable here, and rightly so. But I think you're kind of just reacting to what's on screen with an, a mild noise. There's nothing wrong with no, that. I don't think there's you know. Mm. You what you're there to be, you're there to be entertained. Um, but I remember when I it was like, buddy, which woman's uh, the most recent one, Shang Chi? Some woman next to me was literally going, Oh my god, oh my god, looky, look at that, like make, making a scene, making a scene. Basically. <laughs> just like, there's no need, there's no need for it. There's, abs- there's absolutely no need for it. It was, it was so clear that she was there making noise to a to, just, to, just to distract everybody. It was really off-putting. You know, I, I bet you, was... you're the kind of person that applauds when the plane lands, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, you are. I know you are. And that makes think... me sick as well. How many planes? <laughs> I've only been on 
six planes in my entire life. for everyone. Hang on. I'm one, two, three. No, eight. Eight planes there and back in my life. I don't remember. I I don't think so. But I'm, I might have done. It's one of them things, maybe. You were so overcome um, with joy at, land, at the, someone doing their job that you clapped. So I've enjoyed being on the floor and not in the air anymore. Yeah. Um, there was there was one point though yesterday where I did feel like I, I should stand up and scream at the top of my voice, and that was when Mister Hypocrite himself walked into the cinema <laughs> holding a massive pot of popcorn, wearing a Christmas jumper. After all the all the last eighteen months of slagging people off, eating loud food in the cinema, he strolls in, takes a seat, and <laughs> fully embraces exactly what he's done to himself, Andrew. In my defence, that was my breakfast. I hadn't eaten anything. I needed some food. So, that yeah, that was my breakfast. I think that's acceptable. And, like, I was going to a Marvel film. If I was going into, like, some solemn, like, heavy drama, then I'm not going to eat popcorn. If I'm going into a film that's going to be loud and noisy, no one's going to hear me chewing away, are they? And plus, I know how to eat food like a member of society. I don't sit there with my mouth fucking open so everyone can see and hear what I'm doing. So I think that's perfectly acceptable. Uh, One thing I wanted to ask you guys before we got into this, I want to know about your system for rating a film. So I generally give films like a star rating pretty much. Every film for me starts on like a 2.5 stars and that's like just standard, <laughs> neither good nor bad, just just there sort of thing. The more I enjoy it, obviously it goes higher and the more I dislike it, then the lower it gets. I think that's a fair way to, to judge a film. Is that, how do you guys do it? Like Stu, what's your system for rating? I think this kind of says what kind of person you are. <laughs> that it, it you, absolutely you, does. <laughs> you start as low as possible, expecting it to be shit. Um, I think eight or ten, probably going on, started on a six because that's how you do it with football. I think that's that's the journalistic way of player ratings that you start on a six as being bang average, and then you kind of adjust accordingly. That's okay. kind of that's kind of what I go into with my mindset with these things. But yeah, right. it's, I've never really thought about it to be honest. It's just it's fair. I know I'm springing this on you. Yeah, it's just instinct. There is a reason why I'm asking this question to establish it, Matt. What? How, how do you work your system for a film? I think you know because going into it, I've got an idea in my head of if I'm going to enjoy it or not because of the, I say the benefit or the curse of having a City World Unlimited pass. I'll pretty much now see anything, whether I know I'm going to enjoy it or not. So. Um, in my head, I'm like, am I going to enjoy this or not? So I've already got a set idea of how good or bad I think it's going to be, which should or shouldn't affect how I judge it. But then I guess I'd, I'd, I'd kind of similar to Stu, really, just look at it as try and go into it as as neutral as possible, really. I did I did used to think of it like stuff like that, like the Guitar Hero system where you start on zero stars and build your way up as the, as the film mm. progresses. Um, but no, I'll just try and go into it as neutral as possible, I guess. Um, I think you know pretty pretty early on how a, how the tone of a film feels, um, so you kind of know straight away if you're going to enjoy it or you know how you're going to feel about it. I think. Mm. See, I, th- I think that's similar to me as well. Then, so my two and a half stars is like it's the middle point in a movie, and then it's either up or down from there. So I, I can see where you're coming from, and I think I'm on a similar train of thought, Dave. Where do you come in with this? What's your theory on it? Yeah, I think I, I'm. I do an out of ten. I try and go into it. I'm probably similar to what Matt said. Maybe like into it like a five out of ten. I think these type of films, what I would probably call like an event film, I try and go into it without any kind of mindset whatsoever. That's why I try and you know avoid any headlines or reviews because I think. There's a weight of expectation with these type of films and you almost want to go into it enjoying it, but you know it could fall flat. But if you go into it thinking there's some kind of negative reviews, it might skew your own mindset to how the film is. It might actually be better than you than the reviews have said. So, yeah, five out of ten, and then we see where we go from there. Okay, so the reason that I was asking you, I want to know what your ranking is for this film because... At, currently on IMDb, it is sat on 9.2 out of 10. Um, on 
Rotten Tomatoes, I think it's 95% for the critic score and 99% for the audience score. So it's obviously getting very high ratings. But I want to know how you feel about it. What score are you going to give it out of five stars or out of ten, however it is that you work it? Matt, um, what do you think? It will be 7.5 for me. Um, okay. I won't go into any depth because we'll probably talk it through, but it will be 7.5 for me. Okay. Cool. Stu? I didn't want... Like, when we came out in a, the cinema and I was so excitable that I said, I want to go and see it again now. <laughs> and <laughs> I didn't want to do it straight away, and so I left it. And then last thing before I went to bed last night and I was looking at IMDb. And I like now how he, as soon as you click on it, it gives you the, the thing to come up to rate it out of 10 straight away. Yeah. Which is a nice new feature. And I gave it 10 out of 10. 10 okay. out of 10. Yes. Fucking hell, Stu. <laughs> Come on. 10 out of 10. Play the game. Dave, are you a um, 10 out of 10 as well? Well, no, I've, I, I've done a 9 out of 10. I think the ratings that are out there, I think, are very much reflective of the film. I don't think I could have given it a 10. It wasn't a, you know, the most perfect film in the world, but it was definitely... For me, it was definitely a triumph, I thought. And there'll be reasons for that I'll go into in, you know, when we get a chance mm. to stick. But I think 9 out of 10 easily reflects what everyone else has said. See, I, I think the, the reviews, the hype around it have been a bit much. My, my score was three and a half stars or seven out of 10, pretty much the same as Matt. Of course it was. It, I, it's thought, obviously... I thought you were going to say three out of 10 then for a sec. I was like, sure no, no. not. <laughs> I thought it was good. I don't think it's great. That's very much where I stand on it. Like it is a good, enjoyable movie, but it feels like a movie where I needed to have done twenty years worth of homework to sit through it, and that sort of takes away from it for me a little bit. I think that was my issue with it personally. Stu, you went ten out of ten. So why ten out of ten? Because we have done twenty years worth of homework on it. But I shouldn't have to. I should be able to just sit down and watch a film because these are self-contained episodes, theoretically, but they're not self-contained at the same time. And that kind of bugs me. That takes away from the film in my eyes. I don't think now that that even counts anymore with these because it yeah. it, it doesn't make any sense why you're jumping at film 27, 8, whatever this is now, <laughs> um, and not having any background knowledge. Uh, why would you? Shang-Chi, yeah, fine. Eternals, never see it ever again. Good. Just shouldn't have seen it in the first place. But this, if you're going into this not seeing a Spider-Man film before, then that's on you because it's, I don't think that, I agree with you because you can't ordinarily say you don't need any kind of prior knowledge to watching a film that you're going to give 10 out of 10 for, but you couldn't then watch Godfather Part 2 without watching the first one. Really, my, my argument will be because it's the Marvel way. So Stan Lee always said that, like any comic is somebody's first comic. But he's dead now. But that's how it should be treated. <laughs> that that is going to be someone's first experience of it. And if this is your first experience of Spider Man or the MCU in general, I think if this is your first experience, if this is your first experience of Spider Man, and you've got three of them. And you've got chaos and explosions all over the place. You're gonna absolutely love just love it. I mean, how what does the uh, the young child seem to enjoy himself that conveniently sat next to you yesterday? <laughs> they did, yes. <laughs> the entire cinema. And as soon as he walked, I thought, I know where he's going. I know where he's going. No COVID protocols there. Leaving the spare seat in between. The, prob- the problem um, is though with this is that even if you've watched the most recent iterations of Spider-Man, so you've done your homework, you've watched these Spider-Man, um, it's still not enough. It's still not enough. And that's not, and that's, mm. you know, that shouldn't, that shouldn't excuse loads of plot holes that this movie has and loads of uh, continuity errors just because you haven't watched quite literally 30 films prior to it. I don't care. <laughs> and I have, I have seen everything. And this is why, I mean, yeah, it's it, it's going very much... I mean, if I'm taking a normal person approach, I probably would go around about the eight for that reason. But it's not. I'm taking my approach, and I love all this stuff, and I've watched every single every single second of all of them. And it, it's the payoff for everything was so amazing in that film. For me, 
not for everyone else, for me, that it was way more than I ever expected yeah. it to be. I think way more. And this that's is ten. This is a film that has been designed and created for a specific audience. This has not been a film that's been d- created for the for the masses for anybody in the world. Please come see this film. I think it's been designed as a generational film for people who like it. it I, I felt it was in some ways like a love letter to the cinematic world of Spider-Man, mm. the live action cinematic world of Spider-Man. I probably caveat that because Spider-Verse is, is great. And not, I think like I've tried to since I've seen it. Cause I think I was like you, I wanted to I wanted to see it again straight away after it. And I, and even now I'd probably need to go see it again. I've tried to objectively look at it at thinking has, the fan service elements of it and the nostalgia elements of it that Marl have thrown in your face while watching it got glazed over what is the film, is it actually a good film? And I still think the elements of the film and some of the different things that they touch upon are still good without the fan service. I, honestly, if Tom Maguire and Andrew Garfield weren't in it, up until that point, I was still really enjoying that film. And I think there are still other elements in it that still make it a good film. So yeah. it's it's, oh, it's not for everyone. What were we saying earlier about the um, that we knew it, they were going to be in it? Because of my excellent method of not watching trailers, I didn't know how much they'd be in it. I thought mm. it might be a literal cameo. I thought oh, then they yep. might pop back for doing something. I didn't expect that. And I think there was a moment, we'll get into it later, there was a moment that was Avengers level gasping and massive smile on my face and I don't care it was brilliant (laughs) I didn't jump around obviously because I'm 38 years old but I felt myself my smile being that bad (laughs) bad that wide that my cheeks were starting to hurt (laughs) and I loved it and like you you are right Dave that it does stand up on its own to a certain extent from just being a fun action film Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to ruin it all. What, what, what I would say is, that, and when I was on the, the podcast previously, uh, we talked about how there's a lot of Marvel stuff at the moment, and you know, probably the, we're getting too engorged on Marvel, and people are getting a bit sick of Marvel. And I 100% agree. There's a lot of stuff going out there that perhaps because of that, they're not doing some elements correctly. What I will say for Marvel when they do event films, the big films like this. They hit the nail on the head. But when they do maybe smaller scale films or they're trying something different, that's when they seem to lose themselves a bit. If you look at some of the other event films like Endgame, Infinity War, the first Avengers film, they just got it right on every level. See, I disagree with that. I, I, I'm i the other way. So I think something like um, Winter Soldier, which is a personal oh, yeah. story, yeah. was much more interesting than... Yeah your end games because I feel like they skip the common sense and they're putting plot holes just to move the story along because mm. it's so big and bombastic. You don't need to think about the small things so you get away with it. So I, I'm the other way. I prefer a personal story to a, a big one. And that might be why I think this is good, not great. And Maybe. I think this is what I said to you before, to yesterday where there's this is now in, there's only three now. MCU films that I'll give 10 out of 10 of. Only three of them. Avengers, the first one, mm-hmm. because of, like I said before, when we did our um, top five superhero films, because of what it represented at the time, mm-hmm. and it had never been done before. And it, and that is, in your kind of, what you said, you can watch that on your own without prior, prior knowledge, just because it's amazing. Yeah. Winter Soldier being the other one, and know this. Mm. So, Matt, obviously you weren't on the latest episode mm-hmm. of the, the, the question cast we did. Um, the hot take was, is nostalgia a bad word? Was there too much of that in this movie for you? Was the fan service just dialed up to 11 here? No, I wouldn't say it was too much because its application was really good. So the dialogue between... The, like we, like. Without it being as 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 ramped up as it was, you wouldn't have had all the good dialogue between Doc Ock and and Croc, and you wouldn't have had all that element if it wasn't so ramped up. So I had no issue with the amount of shoehorned in nostalgia here because it all it all pays. You know what? 
if if you could give my rating for the first three quarters of the film, I'd give it a nine. If you're asking me for the for the overall piece, that's where it falls over at the, massively towards the end because of a plot hole mm. that is so ridiculous. It completely took me out of the the whole equation. The films are good. Okay. The films are good to great film as a spectacle. I'm not surprised by that. Of course, it's going to be. It's never not going to be visually beautiful. It's never not going to be an exciting, adrenaline-filled watch. It's never not going to be that. Though these films, especially, are fantastic for that. Um, the, the nostalgia point of it, it was always going to be that, wasn't it? Like, I, I don't think there was ever not the expectation. So, I don't think mm. in this case it was too much. I think the issues, and it's like I've just I've talked about before, is this fucking multiverse bollocks that it was going forward um, and how it's used it's used as a device to basically excuse really bad storytelling and, and script writing which is what it, again is what it does is is the multiverse to you what Groundhog Day stuff is to me it must be <laughs> it must be it sounds like we're going to have to talk about a spoiler for me to go into depth why this why this was so fucking lazy at the end yeah um, I've put a pin in that one to come know, back to yeah, yeah. Yeah, Dave. Um, more of the fan service. So, if we look a little bit deeper into it, so we know that the villains in this piece was Lizard, um, Dark Ark, Green Goblin, Electro, and Sandman. Um, were they used correctly? Were they the right villains to bring back? What are your thoughts on on those in particular? I think, yeah, I think we had the right mix. I agree with Matt as well. I think the dialogue between them was was quite enjoyable and it worked throughout the film. I thought William Defoe was exceptional mm-hmm. in this. Yeah. I'd even go as far as saying this was... I mean, I, I'd, I'd watched the first Tobey Maguire film a few weeks ago and I think he, it was nearly on par with that, his performance. I was quite surprised how good he was in this. And I read somewhere that he actually did all his own stunts as well in the fight scenes. Yeah. He insisted that if he was going to sign on, he would do his own stunts, which is incredible. At, at 66. <laughs> yeah. Um, my, my only niggly thing about it, which I, I messaged you about it, Andy, afterwards, was to say that could they have found a way to bring in another villain to make it since the six, um, whether mm. it was from the Tom Holland world? Now, I know there's an element of maybe that would have been too much because I think the, the amount they had, although it was a lot, actually worked in the end. And each character had its own moment, but also some characters had more of a moment because they had probably more impactful to do with the series. Um, but that's just niggly. I think, yeah, I think they all worked. I thought I thought Jamie Foxx was really good. I thought he almost got his own redemption for that character as well. Mm. Yeah, because he was fucking terrible in Amazing yeah. Spider-Man 2. It yeah. was a real low point in that movie. Yeah. Stu, do you agree? Are you happy with the villains they used and, and how they were used? Yeah. I, mean, I, I wasn't sure if it was Reese fans at first because I thought that voice doesn't sound the same as the voice he yeah, had in the film. Yeah, the same. But if you've been, if, again, if you want to talk about, well, no, because it isn't common sense because of it's explained where, how they're there. Um, he's, uh, yeah, that was, that was the only weird part for me. But yeah. I, I never even thought about the Sinister Six thing because it never crossed my mind. I was I was too engrossed with it all. <laughs> but other other than that, who could there have been other than the little uh, remark about a Russian guy in a rhino suit, which was quite nice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the, it was. It was just really, really well thought out and well done. And a note of what we talked about previously as well: how this film was rewritten on the fly. Yeah. You'd never know. Mm. I'll come back to that in a second because I've got a question about that. Matt, villains, good, bad. Willem Dafoe, I mean, as Dave said, he was excellent. In yeah, he was movie. tremendous. What did you he think? He was tremendous. Um, yeah, I thought the villains were, 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 you know, it's no secret if you've listened to this before um, that my favourite part of any film are the villains. They're far more exciting. It's cooler to be a heel than it is to be a face. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I thought they, were, they, did, they did a great job and I liked how it, they... Um, you know how they did Doc Ock, Babyface, Doc Ock as well. Even like they turned yeah. turned that around. Mm-hmm. Thought it was good. Thought it was. Um, once again, the worst thing about some this movie in parts was the sheer righteous, silly righteousness in the face of common sense of Aunt May 
for example. <laughs> like, you know, that you're like, this is what you do. These are people that need saving, blah, blah, blah. Whereas actually all this chaos and misery and people, what really annoys me about stuff like this is, let's say they push the button on the box and they all went back, right? We're ignoring the fact that in the wide world, as soon as these people have now been, these villains have been released, we don't know that thousands of people haven't been killed in their wake, but we'll save the we'll save the villains just because it's the right thing to do. But the collateral damage of society and everyone else around them and everything else exploding, and the fact that the that the Statue of Liberty will need rebuilding at thousands of taxpayers' dollars, <laughs> which will mean cancer screenings don't get done because there's not enough money for the. Do you know what I mean? I just think it's so stupid. Like, think, why why are they yeah. so self righteous? These people that, that that you can't see what is actually just common sense. Send the fuckers back. And be done with it. <laughs> so this is almost you, you're talking. You're turning into Nigel Farage here, which is quite enjoyable. <laughs> yes, if if Nigel Farage had a box to send people back to a universe, not in a dinghy over the um, over the sea. <laughs> no, no, Matt said that. I just want to see a post-credit scene of all the wreckage from the Statue of Liberty, and someone just turns up going, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" I know. <laughs> right, let's all these guys again. Cheers, Spider-Man. Cheers, everyone. <laughs> uh, Stu, you touched on something just that I wanted to to bring up. We know that there were some quite late in the day rewrites that Tom Holland was involved in. Any idea what that could have been? Do, do we think it? <sighs> right, we're going to get into spoiler territory from now on. Actually, right. So if you haven't seen the film and you want to, right, leave now. We'll give you five seconds to go away to end the podcast. And then we will talk about spoilers because I think there's a few bits that we need to discuss from here on in. Right, Stu. So when Toby Maguire gets stabbed at the end of the film, is that the part, do we think, that was rewritten? Do we think that Toby Maguire's spider was supposed to die? Or is there somewhere else that you can see uh, where the rewrite would have happened? Because that's the only bit I can really lay my finger on that looked like it may have been changed no i never thought about the fact that he'd die it never i thought this is the mcu this is not the other ones it never crossed my mind that he'd be he'd be dead in any way i just like i said i can't really pinpoint what is different and that's obviously a good thing and it might the whole rewrite things made perfect sense when they changed the order of the films anyway because doing it mm. this way after showing what if and then this, and then the new Doctor Strange film, which was after the trailers, after the credits. It makes perfect sense to release it this way than the other way around. So, whatever they've done, I don't care. I don't really kind of really want to know what they did or mm. what it was was before because it just worked. And I think there was there was standout points like Spider Garfield Spider Man, his little uh, his redemption. Which I thought, oh, that's sweet, and that's always that surely must have always been in there mm. when he goes into save her. So it was hard to kind of, unless there was there was stuff with Wong that might have been a bit more than it was because yeah. he was barely he barely featured. So I don't know, mm. but now I wouldn't have thought Maguire, uh, Tom Maguire, Spider Man being killed was a rewrite. Dave, was there anything that stuck out to you that didn't quite fit or that thought might have been a, the rewrite? Yeah, so I, I hadn't thought to the Maguire one. That's a good one. I mean, I if he had died, I was ready to walk out of the cinema. I was like, don't ruin this film. Don't kill our time <laughs> Maguire. Um, the only thing I thought, because I remember seeing the interview, he was talking about they, they, they rewrote the ending. I don't know whether maybe, and I, I actually liked it, the whole reset for Tom Holland's version where he he basically became the post high school where he was on, in an apartment on his own having to get a job I don't know mm. whether maybe that wasn't in the script or whether they whether um, MJ wasn't going to forget and maybe they changed that or something um, but yeah I like Stu I, there's a part of me that does want to know but also doesn't want to know what the original mm. ending was because I think actually yeah. what how they ended it to set up future films I thought was quite right because you've got the door open there to bring back MJ if you want to, or you can just carry on and make a almost like a new feel to Spider-Man for the, the for the next few films. Mm. 
Matt, anything to to add about the rewrites? No, not really. Didn't nothing. Nothing was too jarring about any of it. Really, I mean, if if the ending was going to be changed in in any way, I don't think it would have been the way I would have wanted it to have been because that would make too much sense. That's not what these films are about. <laughs> Speaking about the ending, so the very ending after the credit or during the credits and then after the credits. This is one plot hole that pissed me off. Why 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 was Venom there? Mm. Venom doesn't know Peter Parker. He doesn't know who Spider-Man is in his universe. And only people who knew Peter Parker were being pulled through the space-time continuum. Mm-hmm. So there was absolutely no reason for Venom to be there talking to Danny Rojas. It, it made no sense. It really pissed me off. And then the other post credit scene was just a trailer for Doctor Strange. I, I kind of feel like I've got to the point now with the post credit scenes, just forget about them and just put everything you need into the movie rather than these silly little stings. Because this one, the ones in both of the last two films, I don't think were really anything special. So I'm quite happy for them to stop doing this at this point. Where did you all stand on the post-credit scenes? Stu, thoughts? I mean, they've always been kind of semi-silly, like the one in Thor Dark World where it's that thing acting like a dog in the parking parking lot in London. Eh? It's bouncing around, chasing something. This At the very end of the credits, the, mm. the thing from another world, and that that's just nonsense. It doesn't need to be there. It's just something to throw away. It's... I don't really care, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I, they've done trailers for upcoming films before. It's not the first time they've done this. Mm-hmm. So, but that was in, was that in, it was a trailer for Spider-Verse, Into the Spider-Verse, I'm sure it was. Because that's the first time we saw any footage remember. of it. But I don't know. That might have been in Venom. It might have been in the first Venom film. That were, that makes sense because it's a Sony thing. Um, yeah. The whole Venom thing, we... We said it straight away afterwards, and it makes no sense. Even leaving a, a, a piece of himself behind makes no sense because how are you going to say, oh, yeah, because he's not attached to him? Well, how does the universe know that? Yeah, it's irrelevant, isn't it? It's all or nothing. Mm. So, yeah. It's sad that as well because it's probably the most exciting thing that could have come out of it all Be- with the ending, mm. uh, with how the film ended. It's probably the, the saving grace of a piss poor ending for me is actually that we can now just have a simple, doesn't have to be the whole Avengers, doesn't have to be the whole Stark enterprise. We can just have a Spider-Man versus Venom battle. It doesn't have to be so convoluted, but it just, it's on the, it's on the back of it, not making any sense, which just is, is such a shitter. This is a, and a shame. Dave, would you been off the, uh, the post-credit scenes now? Uh, I- I think they've just become a bit of an institution for Marvel now, haven't they, having that that in there. And I think, like Stu says, you, you do have a... The silly one is just there for silliness. They, they put something else in there to give you a bit of intrigue to what might be coming up. But the Tom Hardy yeah. one, I, I, I agree. Part of me felt like maybe, depending on how the films... When the films were filmed, but maybe the Tom Hardy inclusion in the end of Venom was done before... Spider-Man was filmed and then somewhere down the line they've gone we don't want Tom Hardy's version in our universe but we want to bring Venom in so what can we do which is disappointing because surely you'd want to see Tom Hardy's Venom who generally seems to be quite Mm. liked in a future film I just don't wonder whether there's a continuity area there just because of when when stuff's been filmed and I just I, I don't see why you need to recast him at all uh, yeah, I think yeah, I think there's just been, there's been there's just been an error writing in that one. I think that's fair. But it, it wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility if they just delete it later on. Retcon like, it, for, yeah, yeah. They've done mm. it before when they've changed things uh, for the Blu-ray and Disney Plus release. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if it's just okay. Sorry, but that's but that's, a, but that's yeah. okay for you, Stu, isn't it? Because you're a Marvel apologist. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they, if they do it, then fine. Mm. Because it, it, they've gone back and changed. I have to think, there has definitely been things where they've changed it later on, and then it's it's just gone forever and no one cares anymore. Can I ask about this plot hole that Matt's talking about? Because I think I yeah. know what you're talking about now. This has come in my head, but I want to see if it matches up to what I'm thinking in my head. So 
everyone's a raise that ever knew Peter Parker, right? Which is ridiculous to begin with. So stupid. So lazy. <laughs> lazy it is. Bootlicker. <laughs> but happy knows Aunt May. How? So you go, okay, well, you know, well, she knows him through through Stark Enterprises, through a link through Stark Enterprises. So are we saying that Stark doesn't know who Peter Parker is then? If Stark must know who Peter Parker is, because there's no way that Aunt May would be involved with Stark without Peter Parker. So we were just saying everyone's just got a brain, everyone's just forgot. So everything that happened through all of everything that happened through all of Thanos's thing in the Infinity War and everything else. Everybody now just knows that Spider-Man existed, but didn't remember who it was. So there's no, no Spider-Man doesn't disappear in Tony Stark's arms anymore. None of this happened. None of this makes sense. How insulting to this 30 hours of, or 30 films worth of research you've put in, Stu, because it means fuck all now. It's so lazy. You can't justify that it isn't, and it's not a massive, massive cop-out. <laughs> Well, it's just, it's just not going to be permanent, is it? It's clearly not going to be permanent. They'll, people will start remembering, and that's probably how things are going to unravel oh, later on. Great. That's, that's what I'm guessing will happen. Because when these things have happened in other things, where oh, how do these people know each other from then? And you think, well, don't think about timey-wimey. Don't think about it too much. But that, that shouldn't but be, that should be an excuse time. for something being poorly written, no. though, Stu. That's not an excuse. Don't think about it. I just... That's that's not that's not it's not well, good you, enough. That's not that's not good enough you, for the money you've paid to see it. It's <laughs> not good enough for the time that you've spent avoiding trailers. It's not good enough for the money you've spent to get up and get the bus there or walk there. It's that's just not good enough. It's apologetic, and you're stunning it. I don't care. <laughs> but at, at the, the same time, if down the line they do just undo it and MJ's memories come back. Doesn't that just completely invalidate all of this movie? The, the yeah. entire end of this movie makes that the, worthwhile. Under, the cracks not are, worthwhile. Yeah. The cracks that have to start appearing again, and that's things that start have to unraveling properly, like you said it would, because things are permanent. But you're talking about wizards and magicians and nonsense here. So it's, in a way, I hope it doesn't. And I hope it's probably a way of writing them two out of it now so mm. we don't see him again. Yeah. So he is just, he is just Spider Man. And he's Peter Parker as a bum in a, in a shitty flat, like he's, well, he's in the he's other not two. Be, though, is he? So, because everybody knows Spider Man exists, so they just don't know he's Peter Parker. So the second he comes out, the second he comes out of his house, he's still Spider Man. He's not this bum. He's not. It's not Rocky Five. Everybody knows who he is. <laughs> <laughs> he's Spider Man still. So he's how can he possibly be this bum? It's not. It don't make any sense. Please. I don't know why it doesn't make any sense. You see, they'll just think of well, it's just Spider Man. They, they, I don't think they'll be thinking, oh, who? I, I used to know who you were, but now I don't know who you are. I mean, they'll just think, oh, it's just that's no. But just what, who they, he is. But what they're Spider-Man. going to do with it now is they're going to do. They'll do this. He's a friendly neighborhood Spider Man again, but they can't because he's Spider Man. He's in the Avengers. He's everybody else. How is? How are they going to do that now? I think basically, well, what's yeah. Go on, Stu. I was going to say he was supposed to be in charge of the Avengers after the last one. So how can so, they possibly go down um, this friendly neighborhood Spider-Man thing when he's when he saved the world from Thanos and everything else, but just nobody remembers who he is. But 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 Thor and everybody else, I go, oh god, oh, actually, who is it? This person that we've done all this stuff with, I don't know who it is. Uh, come on. Well, we'll have to wait come and see. On. What we this is <laughs> this is how they get more fifteen pound shilling out here every you. time. Out of you, you. <laughs> I think, well, they'll, I get, think, they'll get more than that because I'll bother as well. <laughs> I think some of this is maybe at the end of Far From Home when they did the reveal, has someone gone, actually, this just doesn't work, that we've revealed his identity. We need to retcon this again somehow. And that's what they're doing in the film. I, Matt, I completely understand and get where you're coming from. But I, it's not trying to be a Marvel apologist. It just doesn't. I think it's a way, like Stu said, it's a way to write out certain people and to move him on absolutely fine so they need, so, so they need yeah. so they need to do these things i get it they do but then yeah. don't call it a 10 out of 10 film have some sense <laughs> i guess it is how, how, can, how, how can it be perfection how can it be t- perfection when it's got it when it's got to rectify its own mistakes Stu? 
because we don't know if they're going to be mistakes yet. Yeah. It will come to that in three films' time. Oh, of course we will. You're on the hook. You're on the hook, Stu. <laughs> yeah. Could also um, be. Could also just have Spider-Man. We don't have to have Tom Holland anymore. Think of it that way. If you're just going to see Spider-Man as Spider-Man swinging around, come on, that might be another reason come to on, do Sean, this. I know you're not. I, 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 I know you well enough to know. You act, you act the jester, <laughs> but I know you're not the jester. I know under under that Christmas jumper, there is a smart, intelligent person there, and I know you don't believe what you're saying. It's a cause light T-shirt, actually. <laughs> <laughs> not the one I had on yesterday. Before you Andy, say. come to my rescue, please. Um, I completely agree. It's a real cheap cop out ending. I it, it basically came down to it was all a dream. That kind of bollocks. And what really bugged me about that ending, if he'd have just done it right at the beginning, there'd have been none of that. And because he's dealing with Doctor Strange, he could have said, "Let's just go back to that moment in time and undo it." He, he could have the done that. He could have unwound it. He hasn't, but he's the Sorcerer Supreme. He could have done it. There are ways and means of doing these things in their universe, and he doesn't do it. So it's just this really cheap, oh, I've learnt my lesson now after millions of fucking civilians have died. All the, yeah. non, all the non-playable characters in that universe have died, but we don't care about them because they're sort of irrelevant. It's only these five bad guys who've murdered a shitload of people that we want to make sure are okay. They'd have been dead in the other world, so so it's all that shit that really pissed me off at the end. But if you did that, you, if you did that, yeah. if you did the right, let's go back in time. That's surely no different to the ending we just had. Then that that you could argue but again that, that was a, a cop out. That was a cop out ending. It would have been a cop out ending, but this one was as well. This has like, been far more <laughs> divisive than I anticipated when I joined this episode. <laughs> No, there was just the, no good ending the to this movie. They, they painted themselves into a corner with it. I think worked themselves into the, a shoot. Dave, we're the ones, we're the yeah. ones who are <laughs> accepting this film as a, as a masterpiece of fun and entertainment, and they're trying to compare it to Ben Hur. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Checkmate. <laughs> can I just say though? Oh. Can I just say I did enjoy this film. I'm not trying to say I didn't. But I'm, yeah, just, I'm, yeah, just, I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to get some actual clarity and get some reason out of it that it isn't perfection. It is not perfection. That's all I want to say. It's per, it's it's perfection of silly bollocks, and that's all that counts. Yeah, I think that, 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 that isn't a nine. That isn't a nine out of ten film. Let alone a ten out of ten film. Oh, it's not out of ten. That, that's just fine. That's just a fine film. <laughs> when you when you when you tick the bo- and you perfect the art of your craft. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. <laughs> none, none of this in the last 20-odd years has made any sense. But now it does. So okay. there we are. Okay. Right. Gents, have you got anything else that you want to add before we wrap this up? Dave, anything else? So I, I just so I can clarify it on the film, this is the plot hole I thought Matt was talking about. Okay. But it, it wasn't. It was the idea of... Um, Curing, as it were, all the villains of oh, their yeah. ailments yeah, yeah. or whatever. So th- I had no issue with that. I liked what they did, and I, I really enjoyed the scene of the three Peter Parkers in the lab figuring everything out. Had no issue with, it. And, and that interaction again was great. And also, can I just say the inter- like the interaction on the scaffolding? A couple of the scenes when it was the three of them. There was that one scene when Tom Holland talks about he's in the Avengers, and Tony McGuire's like, "That's great, but." What's that? I thought it was really funny. <laughs> um, but when they were all cured, as it were, and they got transported back, are they therefore transported back cured at the moment in which they were taken? And therefore everything else that happens after that moment doesn't happen that... I know you could think about it too much, but that's the only thing I mm. thought of. So there's a bit when Green Goblin says the moment he was taken away was when he had Peter Parker in his throat which is like a th- halfway through that movie. So does he go back to that point and goes, oh, hang on a second. No, I'm all right, mate. I'm not bad anymore. I'll see you. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, and then, yeah because then you're you going to say, oh, okay, but, yeah, but that Peter Parker was a, a Peter Parker from years later because they already referenced the fact that he's aged. Hmm. So 
then that Peter Parker won't think, oh, no, why are you a nice guy now? <laughs> it's like, well, okay. Yeah, yeah that, 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 it doesn't make sense because they took people like from minutes before their death, seemingly. Yeah. So why were the Spider-Men taken at a different time? But it's okay. Surely it's they okay should be taken <laughs> minutes before their death. It, it's silly, though, Andy. It's silly. It's Tiny okay. <laughs> it's silly. It's okay. That, yeah, um, that is a plot hole. Yeah. I can tell um, you. I, I must say, though, I think I really appreciated the fact that they didn't try and make Tobey Maguire young or say he was still young mm. Spider-Man. They did make him old man Spider-Man. And I like the fact that mm. they seem to suggest that the story with him and um, Kirsten Dunst, MJ, continued afterwards, or there was still a bit of a a rocky relationship mm. there years later. They almost... Mm. I know there's a lot of clamour about maybe making another film with one of these two, but I don't feel like you'd need to with Tony Maguire. I think the, in that one scene, they already gave some kind of closure to that universe. This story's run, yeah. Yeah, I think I think ha- having a, a possibility of now Amazing Spider-Man 3 would be amazing. Mm. Uh, Stu, you mentioned a moment in the film that choked you up. Um, explain it. Yeah, when when Spider Garfield saves MJ's fall after the um, what he went through in Amazing Spider-Man Two, which again I hadn't watched until about a month ago, <laughs> um, so it was very fresh in my mind. But yeah, I thought, yeah, this is it was almost shot for shot. As well, yeah. which was obviously intentional. I thought it was really, really well done. It was a, sh- it was a shame this because um, Stu not watching any of the trailers is a massive benefit to him because you knew it was going to happen if you had any sense about you. Because mm. in the mm, trailers yeah. you see a you see a falling, and it's a real shame actually that because that was a really great moment in the in the film. It was like it it even got me a little bit because Garfield was so good at like portraying his emotion mm. during that time. Uh, one of the one yeah. massive plus for the whole of the the movie itself is um, the rooftop scene when they're kind of talking about how bitter they got in their worlds after they got the revenge mm. on their characters. Really well done, really nicely done. The dialogue yeah. was great. The, the 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 feeling and the tone was brilliant. And how they how they then portrayed that when um, when uh, he when Spider Man's then beating up um, the Green Goblin at the ending, you think he's going to kill him and he's going to impale him on the hover whatever the fuck it is. I thought, I think all of that was really nicely done. Um, you know, trying to yeah. stop him turning to the dark side was, it was done, it was done really well. And, and talking about how bitter they were, was just a nice touch and a nice bit of development. I thought. Yeah, I completely agree. I thought Garfield was the best Spider-Man in it. I thought like, like as an actor, I thought he was really, really good and everything he did felt like it had emotion mm. to it. Like there was no, there's no phone anything from him. I thought he was brilliant. So I was really impressed. And to be fair, in his acting career, I think he has gone from strength to strength since doing Spider Man. Like he's a really talented actor, and he he bought his A game for this. In what was really what quite a small role. I bet he probably only had about ten fifteen minutes in total, if that. To be perfectly honest, but yeah, I thought Garfield was was excellent in this movie. I, I really enjoyed him. Yeah. And it kind of goes against what I, we said before when I when I we was asking about um, your ideal Peter Parker and Spider Man. He was a better Peter Parker in this than in his actual films. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing about when he's when he's on the ceiling with one hand and she's like Ned's nan or whoever she, that woman is, it's not enough <laughs> to go and get the web from the corner. Just that that whole thing. He was more comedic in this, which you expect because it's MCU, but he seemed more likeable in this than he did in both of his other films so yeah you are right cool right okay so final question and then we'll say our goodbyes i want to know where does this rank in your spider-man films where does it rank in the mcu in general matt um it's it's up there as a good as a good film but i i you know um, it really surprises me that Stu, when you mentioned about the, you know, what you think is perfection in in terms because so I really enjoyed Civil War, really enjoyed um, Infinity War, the and these are big, big, you know, these aren't our origin story films either. I thought they were like much better than the ones that you mentioned. If I'm honest, um, it's up there, <laughs> it ranks really, really highly. I think this, the the way they've handled Spider Man in general in this generation of um, 
of uh, the MCU is probably he's probably been my favorite arc of characters because I think they're quite mm. fun films in general. They don't, you know, they're quite light. They're lean into the humor a lot more than others. Um, so yeah, I mean, it ranks quite highly in terms of in the MCU for me. Mm. Super, Dave. Yeah, I think it's it's up there with. I mean, I still think Spider Man Two from Tom McGuire is probably still the best one out of all of them, but I think it probably just nestles in just below that with um, with Homecoming as well. I still think the first Tom Holland film is a really good film. I saw an interview Tom Holland where he said that he wanted to make this version of Spider-Man the Martin McFly of this generation, mm. and I can kind of see that with the high school tone they've gone with it. And I like Matt says, I think they've, mm. they've done the tone perfectly. So, yeah, I think it's up there for me. Cool. Stu? I've kind of I've, I've dipped the wick early with this, Ali. Yeah, it's my favourite one of, of that. And it's in, I can't separate. Well, it's one, we, we one day removed at this moment in time. And so I'm going to say it's my third favourite of all the MCU behind mm. Avengers and Winter Soldier for me. I just absolutely loved it. And I, I was just looking then, can I, can I fit it in before the match tomorrow? <laughs> No, not really. <laughs> you probably will. Yeah, um, off. probably. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. It's top five Marvel for me. I, I, I did really. I enjoyed myself. I did, um, but as we've established quite well, that I'm not a huge fan of the MCU in general. But this is one of the better ones. It was a good, fun movie. In terms of Spider-Man specific, probably third. I think Spider-Verse is better, and I. Like Spider Man Two is one yeah. of the best. Like for comic book movies, it is an excellent movie. So I think it probably nestles in at third person. The the only thing I'd like to see now, I don't know how they'd do it, but that's the thing with this, isn't it? And it's okay. Is if now Spider Man, they know that Spider Man exists and they think it's Miles Morales because they're already they already hinted at a Black Spider Man. Um, yeah. in a universe somewhere. So is that a way that they bring him in? Now, actually, all these things happened, but it was actually Miles Morales that did it all or, or whatever. I don't know. So, who knows? Yeah, I, I was a little bit disappointed we didn't get Miles Morales. I thought when they nodded to him, I thought we might see, you know, even just like the outline of some some young kids that could have been Miles. And that would have been so cool. Or even if they'd have given us Nick Cage as Spider-Man Noir. I mean, I'd have... <laughs> I would have fucking stood up and applauded for that. That would have been amazing. <laughs> right, so that's us done. Um, it's Christmas. Have a wonderful Christmas, everybody. We'll be back in the new year with all of our stuff. Um, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Take it easy, guys. Look after yourselves. Um, not to bring it too down, but it's a shitty time of year for people as uh, post-Christmas. Um, so please get in touch with us. You know, Just generally interact with us. So if you are struggling, there are plenty of resources out there for people. Um, we're always available on DMs and we don't get enough DMs anyway, so it'd just be nice for somebody to get in touch anyway. So um, if you're struggling, please talk to someone. Um, you don't have to suffer on your own around Christmas. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? Yeah, echo that. That's point well made. And for people, if people were wondering after the episode with Tara, my thoughts on the uh, Nine Kittens of Christmas, <laughs> it is indeed very good. And... Uh, I know it's as good as the first, as the Nine Lives of Christmas, the first one, but it was very enjoyable, indeed. You know what, Stu? We, I completely forgot to ask you. You watched Traps in Paradise again, didn't you? Oh yeah, yeah, we did. So well, Matt you was did. <laughs> yeah, Matt was sitting next to me and avoiding because he, he stupidly forgot he, he left his headphones in the in the boot of his car, and then <laughs> then on a nine hour round trip to Brighton and back without any earphones <laughs> and just yeah. a book. Um, even though he went, he went looking down um, down the dodgy streets of, of Queen Street in Wolverhampton to try and find the, the phone shop that now doesn't exist to try and buy <laughs> some there. No, no can do. So yeah, so I always plan to watch it because I did think that over the, the course of this year that we got gave that film a bad rap, and watching it back, knowing how stupid it is. It was so much more enjoyable. It genuinely was. It's it's not a good film. Like we said at the time, it's not a good film at all. And Dana Carvey is really annoying still. Mm. But as a nonsense film, as a nonsense Christmas heist film, which is kind of niche anyway, it was very fun. And I enjoyed myself immensely. Great. Right. Dave, 
thank you once again for joining us, mate. If you'd like to say goodbye and let the people know where they can find you on the Twitter and podcast world. Uh, yeah, so thank you very much, guys, once again. Um, echo what Matt said as well about uh, make sure you talk to somebody over Christmas if you need to. Um, look, if you want to find uh, a daft question, just search for a daft question on podcast. You'll usually find it there. Uh, and give that a listen if you need something different to listen to over the Christmas New Year period. Yep, and it's goodbye from me. Please, please make sure you look after yourselves. As everyone said, with everyone Twitter, whether you come to the Cage Fighting Pod or our own personal Twitter, we will chat shit with anybody. That's just what we like. So just make sure you take care and be excellent to each other. Strong focus on what I want.